Welcome to the 97th episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and alongside me, I have my co-host and lover of those nuts, Adrian Pinter. How does it go, sir? How does it go? General Kenobi, it goes quite well. How are you, Simon Eady? I'm all right, man. I'm all right. It was an eventful week in terms of things we've been watching, I feel like. Oh, what do you watch? Ah, oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to well, that. Well, I said we, first of all, not me. Me too? Yes. When I say we, it's a, it's like a plural thing. It's like I'm talking about the both of us because we both watched really similar things, I feel like, this week. it's I feel like it's a very Marvel-esque week in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think even, even our show correction from last week is very Marvel-esque. And so let's just get, we'll get right into, into it. it. Jinx. You have a relationship and two kids? No, I owe you less a relationship and two kids. One less relationship? If I jinx you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, see, you've been doing this for weeks. You say you owe me a relationship and two kids every time you say jinx. And for me, I, I don't want to owe you any more relationships and two kids, so I'm going to go backwards. That's that's what I've decided. Okay. I think that's fair. Yeah. Ow. What's fair is fair. Just whacked my hand on my table. Oh, are you okay? Yeah, I'll survive. That's good to hear. But Adrian, I'd like to talk about the show correction, uh, a mistake you made last week uh, in which you- We made, yeah. Specifically, no, no, you. Now you know what we is. Now you, now you, <laughs> <laughs> now suddenly you know what the word we is. Yeah, you taught me. Incredible. Just just, yeah. uh, just a minute ago, you taught me. So Yeah, yeah. Anyways, there was a mistake made last week. Mm-hmm. It, there was one made. We were talking about Fast 10, Fast X, whatever it's mm-hmm. called. Fast 10, Your Seatbelts. Yeah. The new Fast and Furious movie coming out at some point. And we specifically talked about, you mentioned uh, actor Brie Larson, who of course plays Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. And you said at one point, like I'm kind of paraphrasing, but you basically said that Brie Larson will need to go back and star in the Marvels at some point. So losing director Justin Lin would prove to be problematic mm-hmm. because if Justin Lin is gone and they're looking for a new director... Will she be able to, you know, star in Fast 10 and then go and star in the Marvels, the, the Marvel, like the Captain Marvel sequel? Mm-hmm. And my response to this was nothing. I didn't actually, I don't know if I didn't hear you say it. I'm sorry if I wasn't paying attention. But the the truth is, that is not correct. The, the Marvels is actually filming right now. It, it was filming, it started filming actually in the summer of 2021. So technically, I'd argue that the Marvels will finish filming prior to uh, Brie Larson starring in Fast 10, which has just started filming. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. So yeah, I don't think it would go the other way. That would be kind of impossible because the the Marvel should be close to finished uh, production and they should be going into post-production relatively soon, mm-hmm. I'd argue, to hit that, uh, that new date now because I think they're coming out, uh, what is it, June or July? That that movie's coming out now because they, they got swapped with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Um... I don't remember off the top of my head. I'll I'll check it out. Hey, sorry, are you looking it up right now? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's yeah, July twenty eighth. Oh, July. Okay. Mm-hmm. So July twenty eighth, and then Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania. Is it sorry? Is it Quantum Mania or Quantum Manium? I think it's Quantum Manium, right? 
it's Quantumania. Ah, damn it. I, that's exactly what I thought. <sighs> yeah, that's what I said initially. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Quantumania, that one's coming out in February now. Um, so but lots of lots of Marvel movies coming out in, in like a relatively short span of time. I guess we were tra- kind of seeing three movies a, a year mm-hmm. before the pandemic. So it's not that crazy. But uh, yeah, anyways, I wanted to set the record straight, make sure that we corrected uh, the record there because you did say that. And I thought, hey, if anyone's listening to this, they may be thinking, hey, these guys don't know any production schedules. I'm turning this podcast off and never listening to it again. You think someone's did that? Yeah, probably. They're like, oh, my God, these guys don't know shit. And then they're like, they just shut the wow. damn podcast off. They're like, damn this, these people. They don't know shit. They're not even in this industry. And to them, I would say, to that person, I would say, Adrian, no, we're not in this industry, actually. We're just not. I mean, so. we are, but yeah, not. We are, but yeah, not. Yeah, you're right. That's I would agree with. We're not mm-hmm. in this industry because we're outsiders. We live in Canada. Woo, Canada. Yes. You know, anyways, Adrian. I was going to say, Toronto's close to us. Yeah, yeah, it's true. They shoot suits there, Simon. What, what about suits? Suits. They shoot suits in Toronto. Yeah, they're currently shooting in Toronto um, a, a, a segment of your favorite, your absolute favorite. Damn it, I'm trying to think of a word and it's it's just out of my mind. I can't even think of it. Favorite franchise. Franchise, that's the word I was thinking mm. of. There's many other words that could have gone in that spot, but you're, you're filming a... A piece of your favorite franchise, Adrian, which is uh, the DC Gotham Night series for your favorite channel, the CW. Yeah. High quality stuff. I can't wait. Oh my gosh. Uh, you, you know what's most interesting about the fact that they're still filming that series in Toronto or whatever? Is that they just canceled the uh, Batwoman? Yeah. And they canceled Legend of, Legends of Tomorrow or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They canceled both of these shows, but also are making another DC series, which... I would have argued, I guess Batwoman took place in Gotham, so they actually have a Gotham series still running. Yeah. And I wonder if they could have just tried to revive the Batwoman series instead of making another weird-ass concept series. Maybe this is their way of uh, still using like the Batwoman characters and bringing them into this Gotham Knights show. Hmm, smart thinking, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Adrian, let's reach into that mailbag for a moment here, shall we? We ask our listeners to write into us with comments, questions, and corrections by way of email to splitfocuspodcast at gmail.com. And longtime listener, longtime writer-inner, longtime collaborator, Kenneth Stadelbauer wrote into us and he said, Dudes, it wouldn't surprise me if they had actor Norman Reedus initially star in The Walking Dead with accents and had Melissa McBride join in for season two or three if travel becomes more convenient for her when her kids are older, etc. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So we talked last week about this. We talked yeah. about The Walking Dead and how Melissa McBride uh, left that series that she was leaving. She basically was leaving her spinoff series. Didn't didn't even start filming yet, but uh, it was a Carol and Daryl spinoff, but it's uh, announced to be now taking place in Europe. So I'm guessing that's what Ken means by The Walking Dead with accents. Yeah. And so um, Ken is suggesting that she might join in later. But I don't know if this is not just honestly, I don't know if this is a, a spin-off one-off limited series, or is it gonna be ongoing? One that they continue. Like yeah, isn't that a question that you had? I don't even know. Yeah. Like, for instance, The Walking Dead, The World Beyond. Is that getting a second season? I think it was confirmed for two seasons. Like they only wanted to do two seasons. Right. And I think that like those two seasons were supposed to, I believe, lead up to the Rick Grimes movies, if I recall correctly. 
which again we still haven't heard anything about right yeah but that's ridiculous yeah by the way yeah that's the most ridiculous thing i don't understand why they're stringing that along i also haven't seen andrew lincoln in much post the walking dead so uh yeah uh, yeah yeah it'd be really cool to see a movie actually surface at some point considering that obviously this series this this franchise i should say from amc is still going strong like they still still value it they see still see the the numbers coming in for viewership so Mm -hmm. i don't know what's taking them so long but anyway adrian ken's email is multi-part he's not done what so we're gonna continue it if that's okay i know i know how's that possible he put in the put in the full effort here adrian he continued it's a shock to hear justin lynn is leaving the fast and furious franchise hopefully he returns for an inevitable crossover with avatar by the 20th fast and furious movie the fast and the fern gully whoa i'd watch that yeah well indeed or i wouldn't weren't they gonna do a fast and furious crossover with some other weird thing like they were looking at doing it with like jurassic park or something wasn't that oh yeah we definitely talked about that yeah i would watch something like that maybe they weren't actually gonna do that Mm -hmm. but i just realized something i don't know who was quoted as saying that that was gonna happen but i just realized that Vin Diesel's going to star in a video game in which there are dinosaurs. And it just seemed like he was so out of place. And I just oh. realized that that is kind of like, I wonder if that's how this idea spawned, where it spawned from. But he's starring in that Ark survival game or whatever. Oh, dude. And it's completely Vin Diesel as mocap. Yeah, I forgot about that entirely. You just like brought up a memory that I forgot I had. That was like announced like two or three years ago, isn't it? We just haven't heard anything. Yeah, I think I got delayed yeah. because of uh, COVID probably. Was that an E3 event or something like that? I think it was E3. One of those like- Or Game Awards. Tech conferences for video games. Anyways, Adrian, Kenneth continued again in his email. What? I know, I know. Anyways, he continued, I'm curious- If the reason that Sony is releasing all these villain movies is to build a rogues gallery for when they release their own Spider-Man flick, possibly a live action Miles Morales or another actor playing Spider-Man in their universe. I'm surprised that they are rolling out El Muerto, an obscure character to cash in on for the non-existent luchador craze. Next, they'll make a movie dedicated to Sukon. You know about that? Sukon, these nuts. Oh, shit. Ah, damn. That's a good one. Yeah, I don't know if you can't see that in the document there, Adrian, but yeah. I uh, I made it. Can you see it in there? The the sock on. Oh no, it's just in. Is it? I just see an invisible thing. Yeah. So I I made it. Uh, I changed the font to white, so you can. It was in the same vein as the background, so you couldn't see it. Oh, let's see. So I could punchline you, but because I didn't want you to see Ken's punchline before I said it. Damn. So I tried to hide it from you because we're both looking at the same document audience. And I wanted to give Adrian a little surprise. Ken decided to, you know, chime in with a little... uh, These nuts. Banter in relation to what we talked about last week uh, a little bit too much. Yeah. I would say, which was talk of these nuts, Adrian. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Ken concluded his email with a a quote, as he usually does. And the quote says, There are three things in this world that you need. Respect for all kinds of life, a nice bowel movement, and a navy blazer. A quote by Robin Williams. Oh, I have two of those three things. Oh. I'll leave it up to you. Mm. I feel like you don't have the navy blazer. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe you just don't respect all kinds of life. That's also possible. Who knows? I'm not going to tell you. But the amount of time you talk about your nice bowel movements is insurmountable. So I know that Mm. it's definitely that one. 
that one's in there for sure. Yeah. But at the same time, is it a nice bowel movement if I'm going too much? Because it's possible I'm going too much. Who knows? Anyway, it's not important. I don't know. You talk about how, how nice it is on, on a consistent basis. So yeah. I feel like, yeah. Every once in a while, I'm like, I think, whew, you know, sweating. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> awesome. Adrian, I want to just address this last uh, part of Ken's email, not the quote, but the part about Sony having all these villain movies like your favorite movie of all time, Morbius. Um, More like Borbius. Yeah. 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 Okay. Like like boring? Is that yeah, what you're yeah. going for? Or? Yeah. Oh, okay. Just making sure because it was pretty rough. Um, But Adrian, he's talking about all these villain movies and... Uh, and and he's talking about them fleshing out this rogues gallery for a potential live action Spider-Man to be introduced. Do you think that they're going to introduce a different Spider-Man than Tom Holland separately, like introduce separately from the Marvel kind of cinematic universe connected Sony, mm-hmm. Sony like Spider-Man franchise, the Tom Holland Spider-Man? Do you think that they're going to cast a different Spider-Man that's not Tom Holland in a rogues gallery type movie? after El Muerto comes out, after Madame Webb and uh, Craven the Hunter, and maybe even Venom 3, because they just announced that last week too. Do you think that that's in the cards? Because um, I'm curious, and I, I have something, I have thoughts about this, but I'm curious what you think. No, I think if anything, Sony is going to take uh, Tom Holland, bring him in to this crappy Sony universe, and run him to the ground. Destroy it. That's That's my thought. I don't think... They're gonna make another Spider-Man, and I don't. I but we I do don't. have other Spider-Man that they could pull from. There's been a lot of hype behind the concept of of Andrew Garfield getting a, a third movie. Yeah, because people really liked Andrew Garfield in in the Spider-Man role. I don't know about Tobey Maguire ever coming back, but do you think that that could be the case? Maybe they don't recast or they cast somebody new, but they cast somebody that we already know, like uh, an Andrew Garfield as an example. I I don't know. I don't think so. I think they could, but. Like, I genuinely don't know if Andrew Garfield would agree to go back to play Spider-Man. I think he definitely would. If it was going to be in this shitty universe. You know what I mean? Oh. Like, I think he would come back as Spider-Man if it was Marvel doing it, like the MCU. And he he knows that they're going to do well. But I feel like with his amazing Spider-Man movies, like... I know they're not critically well received. I quite like them still. Like they still kind of hold up to me in my eyes, but they kind of just threw him aside and he got the short end of the stick because Sony didn't have the foresight to create something good, something that wasn't really just a trailer for the next movie. And, you know, it kind of got like thrown under the rug. And and I don't know. I, I think um, Andrew Garfield uh, probably has more respect for himself th- than to come back. Like, like Andrew Garfield's like a really great actor. Um, and you know, he's, he's been nominated for Oscars and stuff at this point. I, th- I don't think he would go back to the Sony Spider-Man universe that doesn't have a Spider-Man in it yet. That is, uh, you know, to be completely blunt has three movies out so far and all three of them sucked. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, but for the record, I think he's said on the record to various publications that he's willing to reprise his role. Has, has he not? Like, I feel like that's something that he is excited to do. I'm sure, like, I'm sure he would, but like, why would he reprise his role in in a franchise that's critically, you know, not well received, critically panned? Like, why would you put yourself through that again? His movies were critically 
panned, he would have gladly been in Spider-Man 3, like Amazing Spider-Man 3. The movies he was in were not exactly beloved. Yeah, but he like I feel like he's gone way further than just that at this point. Like I feel like that was kind of early in his career. He's literally again, like I said, an Oscar-nominated actor. He's in like these great movies. Why I don't know. I, I think a, a lot of time has passed. He, he's probably been hurt about, you know, them canceling Amazing Spider-Man 3. Like, why? I don't know. I just don't really see uh, the point of him going back into a shitty universe. I disagree. I think it, for an actor like him, if he if he is as um, cautious as he is, I think the caution is based on the script. So I think that when an actor reads a really good script, like if Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch reads a re- really good script for Doctor Strange, for instance, he's suddenly thinking, "Hmm, Scott Derrickson knows what he's doing mm-hmm. for for that for this franchise. Let's let's go in and see how this goes." And then he, you know, gets to star in Infinity War, like Avengers: Infinity War and Endgame, and uh, it's obviously worked out very well for Benedict Cumberbatch because I feel like he's in movies that he respects the scripts and respects the creators making it. I don't know that it matters. I think that the only thing that really will matter theoretically if Andrew Garfield cares about that type of thing, like, you know, not just being in a shitty movie would be definitely just if the script is good and the the director involved is good, then he'll be in it. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I don't know that that, I don't know. He doesn't seem like a very pretentious dude uh, based on the interviews I've, I've, uh, I've heard him uh, take. So that's my two cents. But yeah. uh, we got off track from what I was thinking. I, I was thinking more on the lines of, please don't cast a Miles Morales that is not in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Please, mm-hmm. please, God, <laughs> please let Marvel handle the production of the introduction of Miles Morales. And, and Sony, you can just seriously take all of these weird side characters. I don't care. Adrian, I think you mentioned it last week. You said, why isn't Black Cat one of the characters they're going to, you know, make one of these uh, rogues gallery villains they're going to make a movie out of? And my answer to that is, please don't use Black Cat. I want them to use Black Cat in the Marvel, like the Kevin Feige produced Tom Holland movie, because that would be a really cool dynamic between Tom Holland, Spider-Man and a Black Cat character Mm -hmm. in in the MCU, uh, in which Tom Holland is like that friendly neighborhood Spider-Man again. Cause I feel like they've kept, they've kept renewing their deal. And I imagine that they're going to continue ha- to continue, continue to have uh, Marvel take the reins on the Spider-Man, the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. Mm-hmm. And I think the next trilogy will likely be controlled by Marvel in that way. So that's exciting to me. I hope that keeps happening and I hope they cast Miles Morales in that instead. I, I don't know. I, I feel like that that's the most important thing to keep the characters as, aside. And I feel like the greatest thing about Morbius doing so badly is that Sony will just like look at that and, and think, hmm, this didn't do well critically. And it was not a commercial success because it dropped off. I don't know if you saw this, Adrian, but it dropped off like the second week or whatever, 74%. Like it took a dive in terms of viewership. Like people were not buying box, like buying tickets. So the box office was like, mm. like it just tanked. So the nose dived like literally right after, I think 10 days. It was like awful. So 74% drop off, which is like a record or something like that. <laughs> Which is like ridiculous. But also, it's incredibly badly reviewed. Mm-hmm. Like people do not like that movie. So I think Sony will look at themselves and think, hmm, I don't know if we could do this. That's what you would think they would do. But then again, they just announced Venom 3 and El Moreto, which is the, one of the most obscure characters 
in the comics possible for uh, like the Spider-Man Rose Gallery. Yeah. So I think, I don't know if they're learning any lessons. <laughs> I don't know if they ever, ever learn a lesson until maybe the next movie that launches, no one will go see it. And then they'll be thinking, hmm, this is the same thing that kept happening with our own Spider-Man movies. And who recovered? Who recovered our Spider-Man movies, our Spider-Man franchise? Marvel did. And Kevin Feige did. That's why that franchise has gone through the roof. And that's why Spider-Man No Way Home is one of the top grossing movies of all time. Mm -hmm. So my hope is, please do not cast Miles Morales. Because Miles Morales, I, I quite like as a character. And I think it, he'll be the success uh, the successor to um, to Tom Holland. Like whoever is cast as Miles Morales will be the successor in that uh Marvel Cinematic Universe connected Spider-Man universe, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I tend to agree with you if they continue, like if Sony continues this deal with Marvel. Yeah. I imagine that Marvel would introduce a Miles Morales. And honestly, we're seeing more and more like younger heroes, like I would say in like the MC universe, like with, um, uh, you know, Ms. Marvel um, and, you know, even like America Chavez from like Dr. Strange as an example, She's she's like I would say younger than like Tom Holland like in terms of age and everything she's like a teen so I, I think the the character or the actor I think the like, actor and the character like she seems to be like in her like mid teens uh yeah the actor is uh is sixteen yeah I believe yeah I was looking up her name earlier and her name her age came up but her name I still I still don't know how to pronounce it <laughs> I'm so bad with that I was just I prepared beforehand to pronounce her name and. Uh, I think it's Sheetal. Sochil Gomez. Sochil, yes. Sochil. I knew it, dude. I was saying that the entire time. Yeah, Sochil. And we're going to have to say her name quite a bit when we go into the Sochil. Our review for Doctor Strange mm -hmm. later in the podcast. But Sochil. Sochil Gomez. Yeah. And I think her character is young as well. I think she's supposed to be a teen in that as well. Yeah. So, and yeah, like I think like Ms. Marvel, like she seems to be only like, you know, 13, 14 years old, I imagine. Yeah, she's in high school. Yeah, like I can see, you know, you introduce like a young Miles Morales in like the next Spider-Man movie is like, you know, you know, 14 years old, grade nine, maybe grade 10. And then, you know, these movies kind of continue. And then now you have a new, younger, more hip group of uh, Avengers or whatever they're going to be called, you know, with a Ms. Marvel, America Chavez, um, Miles Morales. I guess you could say Kate Bishop, but I, I mean, Kate Bishop's more so like Tom Holland's age, if not older. Um, so. Kate Bishop, sorry. I mean, um, not Tom Holland, uh, P Peter Parker. Yeah. yeah. But also, I mean, these people age, Adrian. It's true. So as time goes on, like they're naturally going to age just like Peter Parker aged. He was in high school initially in the movies we've seen him in. And that wasn't that long ago. Mm -hmm. Those homecom the Homecoming, Far From Home, and uh, and No Way Home actually kind of move at a brisk pace. Like those movies kept coming out in quick succession. Well, it's funny because like within like they're like two to three year gaps at the maximum. Though, like those three Spider Man movies came out in between Doctor Strange One and Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, there you go. So I mean, when you're moving that fast, it's it's also they had to move fast for that because he's in high school. So they had to again, again time. The, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is one of the neat things about it. I mean it keeps moving like the timeline keeps moving in terms of the year that it takes place in and i think that they like positioning their shows and movies in the proper spot like they want to make it uh chronological i think for the most part 
there's outliers like Loki as an example that don't fit into that pattern. And in the very beginning, they didn't do that with uh, First Avenger, Captain America First Avenger, but I think they want to put things into their chronological order, if that makes sense, in terms of when they launch in theaters. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know how long how, how long Miss Marvel is going to be young, potentially, like in this concept. If, if they're going to continue making that series, maybe they make the next season, if they're going to do another season pretty quick, quickly after the first season well she's like isn't um she confirmed to be in the marvels with brie larson yeah there's also that too i'm pretty sure she is but um yeah so it's neat Mm -hmm. yeah we'll see what happens excited but adrian i think we should move on now to what we have been watching this week because we've talked kind of we've you know dancing around the subject of what we've been watching Mm -hmm. and uh before we get into like full force Marvel, I'd like to ask you, have you watched the Kenobi trailer? Oh, Simon. The second Kenobi trailer. I did watch Kenobi, the second Kenobi trailer. And what did you think? This is a podcast, Adrian. Would you like to share your thoughts or are you just going to stay silent? Um, I guess I'll share my thoughts. I thought this Kenobi trailer was really good. I'm very excited for this. They uh, again, this is like two trailers now for the Kenobi series, both of which really just increased my hype factor for this. I'm I'm very excited for this fucking show, man. This six episode series. You know, we had the little Darth Vader tease in this trailer as well. We know, you know, Hayden Christensen is back. I'm still hoping that we get some like flashback scenes with Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen as like younger like them on like a little mission or something like that. I would love to see that, but um, I don't know. I'm quite excited for this, man. It looks really great. I feel like I almost should try to binge watch um, Star Wars, the clone wars, because again, like I, it, it seems to be taking a lot from that series. Like some characters at the Is very it? least, um, like with the, with certain inquisitors, I think they're all in um, clone wars or maybe not clone wars, maybe rebels, but either way, like they are taking characters from those um, series. Yeah, the Inquisitors are from Rebels, not not. Oh, okay. Yeah, the not Clone Wars, right? Yeah, the, the, the timeline I'm a little bit funky on, but that makes more sense because uh, Rebels takes place af- after Episode Four. I'm not so worried because I feel like, and we talked about this before, but we've played uh, Jedi Fallen Order, and I feel like we are at an advantage for for those who might not have played it. I have this weird feeling that we're gonna have some direct connector uh, connections there because the Inquisitors are literally in Jedi Fallen Order. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that's literally the main villains in that that video game, and so I I don't know it's it's interesting. I like that style and the, 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 what the Inquisitors bring to the table for what's in that video game, and that's the vibes I've gotten the most mm-hmm. a, after watching the two the first two trailers. And the Inquisitors look pretty cool, but yeah, I think that main Inquisitor guy, the bald dude, he seems like he's he's uh, I think he's from Rebels, if I recall. Isn't mm-hmm. that what they said? I think so. That seems right. He's definitely from one of the animated series. Yeah, looks great. I'm very excited. Those trailers though, are really good. That's the, just to say. I just want to say, like, a, as a perspective of putting together a really exciting trailer, those trailers are fantastic. Mm-hmm. So I hope the show lives up to the hype of what those trailers bring to the table. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, man. Me too. Me too. So anything else you watch that isn't a, a Marvel thing so that we can kind of go full force into the <laughs> into the Marvel train here? Yes, Simon. I have watched something this week. It's a Netflix original series, but it's not the one you think I would watch. It's well, The Ultimatum. Marry or move on, Simon. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. That's weird, but also... 
what's the one I would think you would watch? There's a lot of Netflix content. Ozark. Oh, oh, I see. I see. Yeah. Right. Which I still haven't gotten to, unfortunately. It's been a busy week. However. I just took it as like you're talking to the audience about like the thing you would think I would watch. But like I have the document in front of me. It doesn't say Ozark on here. So I didn't think that. <laughs> just to be clear. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. I'll allow it. But um, yeah, I watched uh, The Ultimatum, Marry or Move On. I've watched this with my okay. uh, girlfriend. Um, and this show is a reality TV series on Netflix, like I mentioned, about, um, I think it is six couples, so 12 individuals that go on the show. It's, it's hosted by uh, Nick and Vanessa Lachey. Nick Lachey, probably best mm. known for, uh, for his role in the band NSYNC. Um, Vanessa Lachey, I don't know. She, she's probably like some model person. But anyways, uh, it's hosted by them. And it's these six couples that go onto the show because one of the people in each couple gave their partner the ultimatum to get married. And each one of these partners in the relationship were like, ah, I don't know if I'm ready for this. So they join this TV series, which is uh, which they they continue to say this experience, like this experience made me blah 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 blah. You know, I'm the one that gave the ultimatum, and they go to this experience where over the course of seven weeks, the first week is all six couples kind of living at a like a hotel together, and each person and each couple dates a different person in the group. So they kind of go like rotisserie. Style, you know, round robin style or whatever, where each person in each relationship rotisserie style. Rot- <laughs> Are you hungry or no? No, I'm 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 not hungry. Okay, usually I am, but right now I'm not. Um, and each person, you know, dates another person like over the course of this week, and at the end of the week, each person has to choose someone that isn't their like existing partner to live with for three weeks in a, what's called a trial marriage, Simon. Hmm. Yep. And the, the point of this experience is to put their relationship on the test to find out whether or not, you know, the end of the experience that, Hey, I, I, I don't like, I, I understand what I've been missing and I want to marry my partner or alternatively being like, Oh no, like I've been missing this stuff from my relationship. Maybe I want to be by myself or be with this person. I spent like these, these, three-week trial marriage with and then after this three-week trial marriage with a random person that they just met like within that past week they have another three-week trial marriage with their existing partner so they live you know they, they live together for three weeks in like a hotel room and whatever and then after that they have to choose whether or not like each each existing pair that came into the show the person that gave the ultimatum has to you know ask for an answer from their existing partner and that partner has to either be like, yeah, I, I want to marry you, or no, like I, I'm not, I'm still not ready to get married, and then that person will move on, right? Okay, I understand. Sorry, are they are they basically just cheating on their significant other? Is that what's happening? Sorry, they're living three weeks with another. Yes, that is exactly what it is. But it's kind of a loophole because they say like, oh, like during this time, your partner is now your ex. Like you guys aren't dating. So it's kind of just like this. A loophole. Okay. Fake sort of loophole like, oh, like I'm actually not with my girlfriend anymore, or boyfriend anymore, so I can do whatever I want. And that's kind of how the show goes. Huh. And this show. Yes. 
there's uh, 10 episodes in total, nine uh, regular episodes, and then the 10th episode's like a reunion episode. I've watched nine of them. Uh, me and my girlfriend haven't watched the reunion episode. But this show is, let me tell you, the definition of junk food. This show sucks. It's a bunch of awful people, shitty people doing ridiculous things, gaslighting one another, just being so overdramatic. But goddamn, I'd be lying to you if I, I didn't say this was was not an enjoyable watch. You're just watching these awful people, you know, just go through these relationships. And, you know, they have like these asides where they'll like talk about their existing partner and be like, you know, I like, like this, like, I honestly don't know why I even love my partner or whatever else. Or like, I don't like th this person I'm spending time with, like, I can really see myself marrying them. And through this experience, blah, 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 blah. But goddamn, is it not an enjoyable time? I literally just sat here with my girlfriend. She was like having a good time. Um, and I just got to rip into each of these people, you know, every 30 seconds, I'm like, Oh my God, this person fucking sucks. Uh, like, and just mocking them. My girlfriend was just having a blast. Just like, listen to me, like, re like tear these people apart slowly, but surely. Um, but it's, a uh, it's fun. I don't know. I actually dig these reality shows. I I've, I've come to realize like, there's just so there's something so appealing about watching just awful people do dumb shit. And to me, it's hilarious. Um, Hmm. And uh, I would recommend it. I wouldn't recommend watching it alone. I would definitely watch it with your partner. I feel like I the only reason I liked it is because I was watching it with my girlfriend. You know what I mean? And I, I got to be like, oh, my God. And just like we would just talk about each character, uh, each person. being like, wow, what a fucking bitch. Or this guy's such an asshole. Like this guy's just gaslighting his girlfriend the entire time. Like it's just so outlandish. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was an enjoyable watch. And there's a you ever watch the bachelor simon uh not really that much uh, maybe a couple episodes okay. over the last whatever how long has that been on 15 years i have no clue but i've never watched the bachelor it's essentially you know like one person like a woman or a man yeah like a man is dates like a shit ton of women and then at the end he like chooses who to marry there's a new season of the bachelor coming soon and uh my girlfriend's like friends go like, oh, like like, I make my boyfriend watch it. You guys should watch it. And I'm honestly down. Like, I kind of want to watch The Bachelor now. <laughs> so, so once this new wow. season of Bachelor coming out, uh, I will, uh, I'll probably watch it with her. I'm, I'm kind of intrigued to know, like, what, what that show's about. Um, and I don't know if you recall, but, like, last year I watched, um, like, a, like, a shitty Netflix reality show called The Circle. No relation. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no relation to the shitty movie. But like this Netflix series, The Circle, where it's essentially like I think eight people, they like go into a hotel room and they they talk to each other, but only through like this like social media app called The Circle. And they can uh, choose to like, you know, catfish one another or whatever. And then at the end of every week that people like rate each other and who's the most popular. And then um, the, the two most popular people like vote someone out of like The Circle. Kind of goes from there. I watched like I think the first two seasons of that. That's another fun show. But uh, I don't know. I'm uh, I think season four of that shows out, so I got to watch two seasons of that. But yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm into this. I like these like dumb reality shows. It's like again the definition of junk food. You can like kind of do whatever you want. I was like making food while we were watching it, and like again just cuddling, shooting the shit. It was, it was a good time. So I, I would like to point out then. So many weeks ago, you commented on how Netflix has bad content. They have like a poor quality rating. They have a lot of quantity and not necessarily a lot of quality. Mm -hmm. um, in some aspects, they do have a lot of quality, but it's kind of buried underneath the quantity. And you kind of called it shitty content in some aspect. You were more harsh on it than I was. I'd like to point out you're watching this shitty content. So I feel like Netflix is doing the right thing by having a 
massive amount of quantity because they've apparently found an audience. I've never even heard of the ultimatum, marry or move on. Never heard of it mm. until you wrote that into this this uh, document here and then started talking about it on this podcast. So I just want to say that, I mean, maybe Netflix has got the the right idea because these they've got so many of these reality shows that they seem to keep um, – introducing like that weird one with the furries or whatever and uh oh yeah i watched like two episodes of that that one's awful yeah there's a lot of them right there's a lot of these weird shows and i feel like some of them are hit and some of them are miss but this is a hit for you but you are like quite frankly calling it garbage so i i think that's kind of interesting concept any any comment adrian um no (laughs) (laughs) okay cool (laughs) <laughs> well, awesome. Well, let me know. Did you, sorry, did you watch all 10 episodes? It's done now? Uh, I watched the, the nine main episodes, and then the 10th episode's a reunion episode. So w- that's next on our list. Oh, sweet. That's like The Bachelor. Yeah, I imagine. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Um, or The Bachelorette. Like, wow, you got a lot. The Bachelor, Bachelorette is like half the year for each one, I feel like. It's a lot Ooh. of, or it's at least like, I think it's like three or four months um, for each yeah. of the shows. I feel like the, the reunion episode's just like a staple in reality shows. Like you even have that on... Um, like Survivor, or if I recall, even like The Apprentice with Donald J. Trump, former president of the United States, Donald Trump. Um, like his, like The Apprentice show, I feel like at the end, everyone like would get back together and t- like and wait to see who he picked or whatever. Mm, yeah, okay. I, I didn't really watch The Apprentice or Survivor, so excuse my, my ignorance. The Amazing Race? Ever watched The Amazing Race? They do. I did. They do a reunion on that as well. I don't remember that. I don't remember that either. I, I just said that. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I thought you were trying to make a point. <laughs> All right. Let's stop talking about reality TV, Adrian, and let's talk about Moon Knight, which concluded <gasps> final episode. It had six episodes on Disney+. Plus. Moon Knight stars, of course, Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke. Oscar Isaac playing the titular character. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it ended. And we were questioning last week whether it would end well. And uh, we're going to do a closer look episode for Moon Knight. I don't know when it will release because we got one to do for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. But the closer look is basically a spoiler cast basically for Split Focus, a film and TV podcast where we go in deep into what Moon Knight is all about. We're not going to spoil Moon Knight here and we're not going to spoil Doctor Strange here. But Adrian, I'd just like to ask you like broad strokes. What did you think of the six episode series Moon Knight with Oscar Isaac? Um, I don't know, man. This is a tough one to kind of uh, to kind of really like narrow down on how I feel about it, because I genuinely think that it has one of the best episodes of any like Marvel Cinematic Universe TV show um, with episode five in particular. I thought that episode was just genuinely brilliant. I thought it was so awesome. But I feel like I didn't like the first three episodes all that much. I thought it started off a little bit odd. And I thought episode three in particular was like a genuinely poor episode. One where I was like, oh, I think this show's bad. Um, But again, once, you know, I feel like it kind of hit its stride in episode four. And then episode five is phenomenal. And I think that this is one of those Marvel, like cinematic universe shows that kind of stuck the landing where I think it was pretty neat how it all wrapped up if they decide to continue it. But if they are like, no, this is a limited series. This was one season. I would make the argument that they didn't stick the landing because it doesn't, it's not really an ending. 
um, in my personal opinion. It just it plants so many seeds and there's so many mysteries still left to be solved that I I feel like it, it would be a shame if they didn't decide to continue it. Uh, and, they, and they haven't announced a season two yet um, at all. And I think when they announced the show, it, like Oscar Isaac was only signed on for six episodes. Like he was only signed on for the one season. So it's, it's honestly possible we don't get any more of that. And if we don't, I think that'd be an absolute shame. But I definitely think what the show suffers from the most is some poor dialogue, like poor writing. Um, and I, again, in dialogue, the, so dialogue specifically. Yeah, I, I would argue a lot of the dialogue is a little bit heavy handed, a little bit. I don't know. I, I wouldn't even say it's poorly delivered. I just think a lot of the dialogue is just not great. And a lot of the hmm. writing in general, I think, isn't necessarily great. There's a lot of these, you know, weird almost like plot conveniency elements to it. And, and they even create like rules that they kind of set that they themselves break in even like the same episode. Um, and again, I feel like the, the show definitely got better after season their episode three, but it's still not something I loved. Um, however, I think I'm in the minority about this because a lot of the people I've spoken to, about this show and you know like where it goes and how it ends like our mutual friend ryan as an example he thinks that this is the best mcu show like by far and uh i don't know i'm way more lukewarm on it i think it's fine i didn't love it i just really loved oscar isaac's performance in it and the character that he's playing sorry characters that he's playing um the one thing I also mentioned is I thought the CGI in the show was bad. And it's funny because the CG, like there are some CGI points in the show where I'm like, this is genuinely atrocious, but then they spend, I imagine the bulk of their budget on these specific CGI characters that look phenomenal, like genuinely amazing where I was like, Jesus Christ, this looks so good. And I felt like that almost inconsistency took me out of it a bit. I mentioned, like we talked about CGI a few episodes ago and how I think the the main issue with a lot of CGI is it's inconsistent and and that can like really pull you out of a series. And I found that kind of happening um, to me, especially in those first like few episodes. And even like I would say in episode four, there's a couple, you know, things where I'm just like, oof, this isn't looking, uh, despite it being a fun episode in, as a whole. But I don't know. I'm I'm definitely more lukewarm on this. I didn't love it. I think it's I think it's fine. I think it's good. I think it's worth watching, but definitely like some like not something I really needed. Uh, and I probably would have been fine missing out on it. Um, I don't know. What did you think, Simon? Because I, I I imagine you're a little bit more positive. I disagree with you. Yeah, I don't agree with you. I don't know where you're what you were watching. Maybe you were watching it in a bad mood. I don't know. <laughs> The the CG thing I do not agree with though I, I just don't I don't understand it doesn't affect I think we it was Ken who wrote into us uh, a couple weeks ago and he specifically says said like where does CG land for you like how important is it does it really matter that much like how much does it take you out of it to the point where you don't necessarily like something mm-hmm. and I just don't think it affects me nearly enough that it mattered at all and i really didn't notice bad cg almost the whole time the funny thing is when the cg comes on sometimes i just think about it in the context of adrian pinter <laughs> that's the funny thing mm. i think oh what did i wonder what adrian thinks of this cg this time and uh, i didn't notice the bad cg in the first episode until you told me about it and then somebody else mentioned it and i'm like i guess that's bad mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't know 
it doesn't it just uh i was more immersed in the characters in the in the overall performance especially from oscar isaac because his, his performance is so good yeah he's a highlight by far like he i think he i i this is the show's nowhere near as bad as venom but i think you know tom hardy is easily the best part of venom and really what carries that movie for both those movies forward whereas i feel like oscar isaac's phenomenal performance in this show is definitely what kind of um made me enthralled and like kind of wanting to keep watching yeah yeah i just um i don't know i just think that overall the series it it has its ups and downs in some of the writing i I kind of agree with you that it's a bit inconsistent in some of the some of the writing and it's kind of what you described a little bit, but I don't, I don't really find that the dialogue is as awkward as you claim. The dialogue is not the issue. I, I found that the, there's some strange, I don't know if they, if they're not understanding their own rules, are they doing, are they breaking the rules on purpose because of the wackiness of the show and how it has its roller coaster ups and downs and how it changes and the plot is so drastically different throughout the series. I feel like maybe that's kind of where their inconsistencies lie or do they not really know and they don't have the attention to detail like a series like, for instance, Severance has uh, where the the obviously the showrunner is looking at every minute detail, or the like, or even the show The Leftovers as an example, or there's so many shows that have so much attention to detail that may be missed, like it maybe is missed in in Wandavision, where it's like it's almost things are done almost more carelessly. So that's the question I kind of had throughout the series, especially after episode three, which is the worst episode. I agree with you, mm-hmm. but. First two episodes, in my opinion, are great. The second two episodes are great, and the last episode is probably, uh, I don't know. It's it sticks the landing. They did with it the best I think they could have possibly done in the short span of time that they had, and I and I do respect how competent it is considering what they had to deal with because they yeah. had so much to wrap up in a short span of time. It's amazing actually what they managed to do. And so I commend them for that, for sure. Yeah, I thought it was going to be way worse than it was. Yeah, we we were very worried throughout the series that it was going to be pretty bad. But man, did they pack pack some stuff into that episode. Mm -hmm. And then I would like to say that, um, yeah, man, I think there's going to be a season two. But we'll talk about that on the closer look because I don't want to spoil anything here. I just feel like that it seems like I know you're worried about that as it, it make it somehow would make it retroactively worse if they didn't have a season two. But I think it's very likely that that will happen. And I think the hesitancy of announcing it is because not everyone's watched it yet or whatever. And you just want to wait it out maybe because it is still – again, they may not do it. And I still – I don't think it would make it a bad show necessarily. Um, but uh, there is somewhere they could go with it. That's what I would say. And I feel like maybe they're they're just – treating this as an event series for now giving doctor strange and the multiverse of madness the 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 hype that it needs they're not going to draw attention from doctor strange by saying hey guys look over here we're actually doing season two of moon knight this is not the time for that and Mm -hmm. the only time they can do it is after moon knight's aired and they timed moon knight perfectly so that it ends just as as doctor strange was airing in theaters so i think that that's the reasoning if i was to say but we will talk about the details of the plot in the A Closer Look episode, which should launch next week or the week after. Uh, or sorry, this week, I guess, because we launch our episodes on Monday. So this week or the week after that. That's what I would say about Moon Knight. So I liked it. I liked it a lot. Do you do you remember when Loki finished? Do I remember when? No. Do you? No, because like, no. I'm, I'm curious how long it took for them to announce a Loki season two, like in terms of after. Uh, it took a little while. Yeah. It was a little while. Pretty sure. 
Yeah, that I don't know. Do you remember when they announced Loki season two? So yeah, Loki season one finished July 14th, 2021. Yeah. And if I put in a Google Loki season two announcement, uh, Marvel Studios, Kevin Feige told- I don't understand. Jesus Christ, let's go the shit out of it. Did I say Google at any point? Did I? Shut up. I'm sorry. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did say Google. You oh. literally said I just put into Google. Oh yeah, fair enough. Good, good, good call. Um, but yeah, then uh, Marvel Studios Kevin Feige told Collider in August 2021 that season two was already underway. So I guess it took him about a month. Yeah. Okay. We're not even close yet. Oh, oh my god, so many noises. Yeah. Sorry, there's noises. Yeah, in in my side, so my Sonos. Oh, okay. Uh, goes off with the Google. Now my clock's going off in the background. I'm sorry. I'm just so embarrassed. In a moment, my dogs will start barking. Yeah. I mean, it's not unusual. This happens every week. I just have to, you know, deal with it. But uh, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, there's no noise on my side. I'm in a pretty quiet room, I'd argue. So just saying. Look, audience, if you want to know how much noise there is, just go back to last week's episode. I feel like the clock went off like three times. I don't even know how that's even possible because we only only recorded for two hours. But uh, it chimed on the hour. Anyway, um, Adrian... I think it's time to move on to the news. What do you think? <gasps> no. Yeah, I know. You might be thinking no because we didn't talk about Doctor Strange, but trust me, Adrian. Trust me. Okay? Do you trust me? Yes. Okay. Sounds good. Let's begin with two chosen focus stories that Adrian has deemed the most topical this week. Number one. As publications Deadline and Variety report, Director Sam Raimi's Disney Marvel film Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness managed to garner the eighth largest domestic box office sales total for its Thursday night previews. Mm. It remarkably picked up a total of $36 million for its domestic preview day. And by the time we started recording this podcast episode on Saturday, it was projected to collect an over $400 million global weekend total. Wow. The movie is expected to become the highest grossing film of 2022 so far, outpacing Warner Brothers' Matt Reeves-directed tentpole film, The Batman, which launched in March of this year. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is the second standalone Doctor Strange-centered film to launch in the Marvel Cinematic Universe with actor Benedict Cumberbatch playing the titular role. The new movie was directed by the original live-action Spider-Man trilogy director, Sam Raimi, and was written by Loki series screenwriter Michael Waldron. The film also stars Elizabeth Olsen as Wanda Maximoff, Benedict Wong as Sorcerer Supreme Wong, and Sochil Gomez as newcomer character America Chavez. Adrian, there's lots to talk about this. You could talk about how much you love Doctor Strange, but you can also talk about how well it's been doing and mm-hmm. uh, what a crazy thing it is when a Marvel movie launches and how well the box office uh, does during the time when Marvel movies launch every single time, it seems. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's funny. Um, so that $36 million total uh, in the domestic previews, like on that Thursday night, may is $1 million more than what Everything Everywhere All at Once made during like – it's still in theaters, but so far, which is kind of sad to to to, to see. But it makes sense because, you know, the MCU is really what has revitalized the theater industry post-COVID. 
And it's great that it's doing this. You know, people are going to the theaters. People are excited to go to the theaters and watch these fucking movies, man. And I'm happy about that. Um, in terms of the movie, it's like, well, before I like start talking about the movie itself, do you, do you have anything to add about the numbers and stuff, Simon? Um, it's kind of what I just pointed out. I feel like it's, it's interesting because it just does so well. Like the box office could just do like movie theaters can do badly for months, but then a Marvel movie comes out and it just smashes records. And so mm-hmm. it's so interesting to me and the hype behind it, like even my workplace, people are just talking about it everywhere you look. People are like, did you go see Dr. Strange? Did you see Dr. Strange? I'm sure you probably experienced the same thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's interesting. It's just cool. It's like this water cooler talk that it seems to happen when a Marvel movie comes out. It's very exciting. And there's like, really cool reveals in movies like this. And people are really excited about spoilers, but they, and sometimes they abuse that power and, and literally spoil it for people unnecessarily and kind of very rudely. Did people do that at your work? On social media, et cetera. But it's- Oh, I was going to say, I thought at your work. No, no, no one did it at my work, but like I was one of the only people who watched it. So oh. um, I was very careful about that because I obviously care about that. We're not spoiling anything here when I'm not going to spoil spoil anything uh, at work, certainly, but I was very excited when I could talk to people who had watched it because it was, it's, uh, it's very exciting. It's, uh, it's cool. And I, I don't know. I like it. I, I like that it does well just because it's, uh, they are trying different things, I feel like, in some of these films. And this one's, I feel like, different for sure in a lot of ways. And that's very exciting too. And I don't know. It's cool. It's neat. And I, I'm just curious, like, whether Thor will do just as well. And I feel like the better these movies do, the more likely we are going to get a sequel to this Doctor Strange movie or, or see Benedict Cumberbatch in more movies. Because it seems like the movies that Benedict Cumberbatch is in inside the MCU have done remarkably well, like, even compared to some of the other films. Yeah. And uh, this movie already is, like, outpacing the first Doctor Strange movie by, like, double, mm-hmm. which is crazy in terms of sales for tickets, which is crazy. It's, like, it's awesome. It's really cool. I agree with you, though. I, I, I like the little mention of everything everywhere all at once. To be clear, though, that movie is, wasn't even ro- with, widely released. So it's not the greatest example. Mm-hmm. Like It was literally only in like a few theaters um, specifically. And I'm so happy I got, I got to watch that movie because that's my favorite movie of the year. Everything over, everywhere all at once with uh, Michelle Yeoh and yeah. directed by the, the Daniels. But Yeah, I was going to say that uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is my second favorite movie about a multiverse that I've seen this year. Okay. I think you're going to say fa- second favorite movie in general. Oh, I was no. like, oh, no. That's a hot take. It is definitely not. Okay. So, yeah, that's what I have to say about the box office. Adrian, what did you think of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness by director Sam Raimi? I'll be honest, Simon. Ooh. I didn't love this movie. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I thought it was good, I liked it enough. Oh, okay. But it's definitely not in the upper echelon of mcu movies for me in particular i i really think that this movie has a very unique vision and a very unique style that is that it sets itself apart from every other marvel cinematic universe movie it's very different from eternals but i think about eternals how eternals feels very different from every mcu movie and this movie in particular dr strange has a lot of that sam raimi flair you know these cool like sort of zoom ins with the camera and interesting cinematography and and honestly like these some pretty significant like horror elements where I I genuinely jumped like a couple times in this movie where I knew like this movie was kind of pitched as like the MCU's first horror movie and honestly it kind of is it's not like totally terrifying but there are some scenes in particular where I'm just like Jesus Christ this is some like quite 
like this is frightening imagery. And I think, again, this movie is very unique in terms of that. But as a as a as a whole, as a story and where it kind of goes, I didn't particularly love it. I wanted more. Hmm. And for a movie about a like multiverse of madness, there is I'll be I'll be totally honest. In my opinion, there's awfully little multiverse stuff in it. Um, Hmm. When you compare it again, even to like a movie like Everything Everywhere All at Once, which is another multiverse movie, which I think does multiverse significantly better than this movie and again there is way more crazy multiversal stuff in that movie than in this movie and this movie is literally called the multiverse of madness uh which left me a little disappointed i i liked it so i I do want to clarify i did like this movie but i did not love it and i wanted more from this i think i think that's really the biggest takeaway i think this movie could have been longer i think the first act of this movie is kind of awkwardly paced like it's 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 quite rushed and it's funny because i i watched dr strange like the first dr strange movie this week to um you know prep myself for this because it's like i haven't seen that movie since theaters and watching the the first dr strange movie i kind of thought the same thing i was like oh man this is like like it's fairly quickly paced in that first like act and then it kind of just gets to it and i think this movie does a very similar thing it just kind of starts and once it starts, it, it just goes, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I just felt, you know, the pacing was a little bit rushed personally in that first little bit. And I think it could have taken my time or sorry, it could have taken its time a little bit more and had a little bit more set up and and been a little bit more, um, I don't know, engaging um, in those in that first little bit. And uh, engaging. Yeah. Like I, I think with specific characters, with uh, America Chavez in particular, She's kind of thrust into this and I don't have enough time to start liking her character until honestly, like the majority of this movie, like quite deep into this movie where I'm just like, finally, like, ah, you know, like she grew on me as, as this movie progressed. But I don't know. I think they could have spent a little bit more time with her at the beginning and, you know, built up uh, a, a relationship a little bit more as opposed to um, what this movie really was. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What did you think about this man? I was engaged. I'll say that. Yeah. I was definitely engaged throughout the whole thing. I think that the, it's interesting. I feel like um, one of the more interesting things is the, is that Kevin Feige called Moon Knight a very brutal (laughs) series. Yeah. And uh, honestly, what a load of shit that is. No offense. Yeah. Honestly. Like Moon Knight is not brutal, barely at all. I don't understand where, why is that like that? It's brutal in that it's very emotional. If that's what he meant, then that's great. But I don't think that's what he meant. I think he was describing it in the same vein as Daredevil, but maybe we just interpreted it that way. This movie's brutal though. Yeah. In some aspects. It is. And it's interesting. And it's insane. I think it's brutal in the same way that Sam Raimi's Spider-Man is. Mm -hmm. Because if you watch those first Spider-Man movies, they, uh, like even the way that, uh, Osborne gets, you know, yeah. you know, bites the bullet. He's a, uh, it's a, yeah, ooh, man. It's or, pretty dark stuff, dude. Or even the scene so. in uh, Spider-Man two, like with Dr. Octavius, like with the, the tentacles coming to life, like in that sort of specific yeah. portion. Um, yeah, there's some pretty gruesome scenes mm-hmm. and, uh, they're not afraid to show a little bit more blood. Yeah. I, I don't think that you should bring your children to this. This is PG 13 and uh, it's PG 13 for a reason. Even though there's a lot of PG, even though there's like a lot of PG 13 movies in the MCU, mm-hmm. I think that this one's rightly PG 13 and like a 
big way. So just be careful with that. Don't take your, <laughs> you know, your one year old. This is not for one year old children. Yeah, there is. Um, so I, like I saw this tweet by uh, like a guy I follow, Chris Reagan. He does like a PlayStation podcast and he has um, a YouTube channel as well. And he like he s- sent out a tweet about him watching um this movie in theaters and at about like the halfway point of this movie like a a big event happens i I would say that this movie there are some like legitimately jaw-dropping scenes where i was like holy shit like i did not see it coming and like you know these big events happened and a kid started screaming in his theater and like the like his parents had to like take the kid out which i thought was like pretty hilarious um and again i think it's deservedly so you know like there there is some huge shock moments in this movie which I think, I don't know, I would argue some of the most shocking stuff I've seen in an MC movie, especially on that like level of brutality that you've mentioned. Yeah, it's really cool. That's like a really cool highlight for me. Like I like Sam Raimi's film style. I think he does a good job with that. I feel like I like Michael Waldron's writing to some extent. I, 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 like, I liked his writing in Loki. It's very different though overall. And I think the tone was set by Sam Raimi and Danny Elfman who did the score who did a great job with the score too. It's very exciting and there's a lot of jump scares. There's a lot of really neat elements there. I I really like Benedict Cumberbatch playing Doctor Strange, as I've said, I feel like episodes go as well. And so he's really cool uh, as well. Sochil Gomez did a great job, I think. I think I did connect with her. I feel like she did a really good job. She's kind of like the somewhat the, the the heart of the movie in some way she's pretty cool she's great and i'm not going to explain what how she's even related to the plot if you haven't seen it we're not going to spoil anything mm-hmm. here and um yeah it's it's neat but there's um it is good i would i would say the movie is good i like the movie but i also have issues with it mm. and um it's interesting. It's it's more middling for me than I expected yeah. because I I am kind of I'm not an extremist. I feel like I I do dabble in the gray area when it comes to everything really. Um, but this is an interesting Marvel movie. I feel like it's like I don't know. I, I've been tossing it up between where I would rank it in the the grand scheme of the whatever thirty films <laughs> and TV shows there are mm-hmm. in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And um, there's issues and it's pacing. As you just mentioned, that was kind of my biggest problem with it, honestly, is that the pacing is a bit weird, but there's also problems with the way that they deal with certain characters. And they, I, I feel like they didn't do justice in some aspects to the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the way that I actually, fun, funnily enough, uh, kind of felt like in the movie Captain Marvel, they don't do justice to mm-hmm. what has come before captain marvel for the marvel cinematic universe i i like captain marvel as a movie but there's certain things that they're just like are you making too much light of the other plot elements that we've seen before and i'm i wonder actually as a concept as well if they're kind of being crushed like the marvel cinematic universe is being is like this movie at least is like the marvel cinematic universe is crushing this movie Mm -hmm. under its weight a little bit because you need a lot of context for this Marvel Cinematic Universe that I didn't expect in a weird way. And I feel like they did it so it, – it's quite interesting. Um, I I don't know that somebody coming into this who hasn't stayed up to date with even the TV shows mm-hmm. would necessarily even understand what's really going on or feel as invested in this movie. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I wonder if that's a bit of an issue. 
I think the context is missing in some aspect, even with the concept of watching all of the movies and TV shows in the cinematic universe. I think there's missing context that they failed to give that I think comic readers might understand or people who have kind of, I don't know, watched some of the, even the offshoot stuff mm-hmm. like, you know, um, agents of shield as an example, there, there's some questions I have about that. And we're going to talk about that on the, a closer look episode for sure. And we'll get into that. Uh, and that will launch this week for sure. Mm-hmm. But, uh, that's, it's, it's strange. It's, it's, I'm, it's strange. <laughs> Pun intended. Whoa. It's, uh, I like it. I do like it. I think it's good, but there's like, I feel like they're missing as well. Like mm-hmm. they advertised, it was advertised on various publications that this is the sh- one of the shorter movies that Marvel has launched in a while. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why though? Yeah, dude, that, that was my thought. Like when the movie wrapped up, I was like, why wasn't this a half hour longer? Like, I f- yeah, it should be 10 minutes to 30 minutes longer. And there are very specific scenes. I actually wrote, I wrote how the movie should have started. Mm. I don't know if I'll, I'll read it on, a, on the closer look, but if you're interested, I'm definitely interested. I will. Yeah, I'll read to you what I kind of. It's like an outline for what I think they should have, how it should have started. I came up with like two options. I don't know which one I'll end up reading to you, but I'll choose. Read both, and I'll choose which one's the better one. I think I, I erased one of them, so I might have <gasps> to just do the other one by heart. But anyway, I don't know. I so again, I like it, but I feel like it's a bit rushed. And oh, there's one other thing actually. There is actually this problem with exposition. That's it. That it is actually an issue. Mm. I don't understand this. They do a lot of exposition, but not in the places that actually matters in some instances. And I'm just like, why are you explaining this? There's one particular scene that I'm like, why are you explaining this? Why are you speaking? Just shut up and <laughs> act, like do the do the scene. I don't know why there's dialogue. Do here. the roar. And there's moments where they. Sorry, I said do the roar. <laughs> do the roar. Yeah. What's that from? Um, I didn't understand that reference. You don't know Do the Roar? Apparently you don't either because you're not explaining it. It's from Shrek. Oh, what does that have to do with exposition? Well, you said, never mind, doesn't matter. I'm confused. Anyways, who cares? The <laughs> idea is though, I do. I did find that it was an issue. Like there's a lot of explanation in spots that I'm like, do you need that? And then there's spots where like you literally didn't explain enough to the point where I don't know that the audience is capable of connecting in those spots. And that's kind of my my kind of issue. I don't know. I don't know. It's strange. It's a strange one. Like I, I, I yeah, it's good, but it could have been so much better so mm-hmm. easily and it missed the mark in that and those kind of instances. And we'll get into that, but music's great. I think the overall shock composition, the cinematography is pretty great. Yeah. The shocking moments, the horror elements are fantastic. Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, Elizabeth Olsen did a great job. Uh, Benedict Wong did a great job. So shield Gomez did a great job. I feel like the cast did a great job mm-hmm. in general. And again, the imagery is really cool and it's neat to have something more horror esque, not necessarily a horror, but more horror thriller esque in the cinema, Marvel cinematic universe. I think that that's really neat. And to get that different kind of perspective is always great and I'm always welcoming it. And uh, so I liked it and I'm glad it's doing well, but, um, but yeah, it just disappoints me in, in, in a couple of ways and we'll get into that mm. into the, a closer look. Adrian. Cool, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually surprised. I, I like, uh, I thought I was going to be in the minority. Like, as I feel like a lot of people, like from what I've seen in terms of reception has been like mostly positive about this movie. And even the few people I talked to at work, they were mostly positive. So, well, critics don't rate it super well, right? 76% of Rotten Tomatoes, something 77%. Oh, okay. So it's, uh, it's not like perfect, certainly. And if you read through the reviews, they, there's clearly, 
like because Rotten Tomatoes works the way it does, there's some clearly some sevens, like sixty, you know, sixty five percent, seven percent, seventy percent, sorry, mm-hmm. in there that are counted as a good review. There's I don't know if there's a lot of nineties, like you know, hundred percent reviewers that really thought it was like an incredible movie. I think that there's there's some middling reviews in there that if you read through some of the the actual blurbs that some of the reviews have, they're actually some of them are like positive. They're fresh tomatoes, um, but they they're actually negative comments. And I was like, what? Why would you choose this comment as the <laughs> the highlight comment of your review? It seems like this is a it's just a bash on the movie. It's it's interesting. So there, there's clearly some disdain for the movie in some way. But yeah, it's good. But could have been better. Agreed. That's my review. That's my review. That's our review. That's we review. That's we. That's we review. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's we review for the Marvel episode. Adrian, it's time to move on to number two. According to Variety, John Wick and nobody screenwriter Derek Kolstad is writing a new animated TV series based upon the NFT-based Forgotten Runes Wizards Cult property. Forgotten Runes Wizards Cult is a collection of 1,000 wizard NFTs, aka non-fungible tokens, that were sold to customers in June of 2021. By owning one of these NFTs, you are given the ability to write the backstory for the wizard character that you've purchased. According to ForgottenRunes.com, they're looking to create a, quote, decentralized approach to world building, unquote. Not only are they creating a TV series based on this property, they are apparently looking to also develop a comic book series and a video game. Due to the nature of this platform, Forgotten Runes NFT owners have the potential to earn money based on the profits gained from the series. This new Derek Kolstad written series will be developed by the Boys Diabolical Animation Studio, Titmouse. <laughs> Adrian, what do you make of this new Derek Kolstad written animated series based on NFTs? Ah, oh, Simon, I think NFTs, um, maybe I just don't get it, you know, maybe I just don't get it. Hmm. Yeah, but NFTs seem really dumb to me Hmm. and I just can't comprehend owning a digital image when you don't really own that digital image or the copyright for that digital image or whatever else is associated with it, you just, oh, I don't even fucking know, man. I don't even know what you own with an NFT. Like, what? Like, yeah, I can just copy and paste. Anyways, doesn't matter. But this this idea that, you know, Derek Kolstad is built, like, is creating a series based on these NFTs, a thousand of, you know, there's a 1,000 of these fucking weird wizard NFTs. And presumably a thousand people have written backstories about all these characters. And then he is now creating a series based on these characters that have backstories written by other people. Presumably. That's kind of what I'm getting about it. This just seems like a weird undertaking for a, for a, for a person that has written some great shit with John Wick and, and nobody in particular. Hmm. And I just find this incredibly odd. Yeah. Although I do think it's kind of a neat idea, you know, being like, hey, like this, this almost like open source sort of, hey, everyone like write, uh, write a character and, and then Derek Colson is going to like make a character out of this. I just, I, I, the weird part that's kind of throwing me off is this NFT thing. But at the same time, I don't even know, like, I don't know. This is just a very weird and confusing story and maybe I'm dumb. 
maybe I just don't get NFTs. You know, some people are making money off of it, but I feel like NFTs, I think the statistics, like they're going down dramatically, like in terms of public interest and profitability and all this sort of stuff. So this is a weird time to be creating something based on a thing that is arguably hated by the majority of people and arguably not understood by a majority of people. You know, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, it is weird. It is weird. Um, I think what drew him to this concept is that there's so many people that wrote these backstories and this idea of trying to create this uh, a story out of this mosaic of other people's backstories, I think is probably what appealed to him the most. And I feel like that's just forget about the NFT part. The advantage of the NFT is that you can create a digital signature for each of these wizard images so that you literally know exactly which you know who owns it because they they literally own it like it's it exists on that kind of digital signature and anyone who claims that they own it by just showing a jpeg it doesn't own it but so that's actually quite useful in this case i don't like nfts in general and the value has shown to drop really weirdly actually i don't know if you saw this but uh ceo of twitter or past ceo of twitter now the blockhead of uh, uh of formerly square uh, Jack Dorsey. Mm. Did you know that they changed <laughs> changed the name of of Square to Square is like the the website that allows you to do payments, like mobile payments. Oh yeah, you know, okay. That, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm aware. Yeah, yeah. He changed the name of Square to Block. Wait, did he? But then he changed the name. Yeah, and then he changed the name of the name the name of the head of the company of Block to as opposed to CEO Blockhead. What? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. Anyway, uh, it's dumb. But um, regardless, Jack Dorsey. Was used to be the CEO of Twitter. He was one of the originators, mm. one of the founders of Twitter. He made an NFT out of his tweet, and it sold basically for like two point nine million or something, some nonsense number, like some ridiculous number. And then recently, the guy who bought the two point nine million NFT of his tweet was going to resell it, and so he tried to resell it at auction, but unfortunately, it wouldn't even go for over three hundred dollars. Like it was like under three hundred dollars. Three hundred dollars. What? From two point nine or something, two point something million dollars. Imagine, imagine. Jesus Christ, man, that's ridiculous. First, I think it was the first tweet on Twitter or whatever. Um, oh, because it was Jack Dorsey. But yeah, <laughs> anyways, that's crazy. But this concept, I'm okay with, and I, I, I'm kind of curious about it. I just don't. I don't know, man. How many things is Derek Kolstad a part of? Like, get get a grip, man. Like, you're making like 50 things. You're making Streets of Rage. You're making Splinter Cell. Apparently, I'm looking at his IMDb. He's apparently doing a Hitman series. I don't know that. Oh, yeah. He's doing John yeah. Wick as well. He's apparently in in like in the, I don't know if he's in talks or he's like, writing the screenplay for Just Cause, the video game movie as well. Like, what's going on here? How can he be doing this many things? Just relax. I feel like this is like the, the Benioff and Weiss. Like, they're, they're like, you know, they're kind of shopping around. They're going to drop out of some of these projects. It doesn't seem like he's got the time. I don't know. Maybe he does, but good for him, I guess. I guess. The other thing as well, I don't know if you know this, but two of the uh, two of the episodes of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier were written by Derek Kolstad. Oh, really? Which ones? Yeah. I don't know. Hopefully not the finale. But uh, I don't know, man. But that was not our favorite show, so. Yeah. So I feel like. There was. A, yeah, he's okay. Yeah, like, he's not amazing. I do like his writing in, in Nobody, and I do like John Wick. But it is an action movie. It, 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 the reason why these two properties are so good too is really because of how good the fight choreography is, mm-hmm. and how much there's a commitment to really nailing it. I think that that's the big advantage of those properties more than anything else. But the writing is good. 
it's just uh I'm curious, like people are really trusting this guy with every single action possible series ever. So it's kind of cool that they, he's, he's getting this much work, but I'm hoping that he keeps up the quality because it's been relatively pretty good. Mm -hmm. So, but anyway, that's my two cents. Yeah. I, yeah, it's NFTs are such an interesting thing because I think NFTs only have value if people buy into it. So if, if people aren't buying into it, there's literally no perceived value. Yeah. They're pretty silly to me. Mm-hmm. I really don't see the value in it. I see the value in this only because of the circumstances. I should mm-hmm. just be clear. I don't think that it's it's smart to buy digital art. Unless, again, there's something about that monkey, ape, whatever, yacht club shit. Oh, yeah. That thing, that seemed useless to me, but apparently that gets you in, into an exclusive club. So I was like, okay. Well, that's a good reason. But didn't that get hacked recently? Did it? And all of the stuff stolen? I'm like 99% sure I read that, unless that was like a joke. Oh, shit. I don't know. But yeah, I'm pretty sure it was like Yacht, Ape Yacht Club. I don't know why I'm saying Yacht. I don't know either. I don't know either. Yeah. Yeah, Bored Ape Yacht Club NFT fans lose millions Oh shit! Trying to buy video game land, so maybe it wasn't happening. The board anniversary sale was such a mess that it tanked the price of board aped NFTs. Hackers created a fake Yuga Labs website to trick collectors into handing over six point two million dollars worth of NFTs. Yikes! Yeah, this is, I'm so confused. So that's the other thing too. People are buying up land in the metaverse. Like, come on, that's so dumb. Because who's deciding on which which thing is most important? Like which which land, which world, digital world out there is actually an NFT worth purchasing the land for? You know what I'm saying? It's silly. I don't, this is a, this is a, there's a lot of scams with this. It's ridiculous. And that's where the value is dropping too. It's like people are getting a little bit wise on it. I, yeah, I would not buy into this. Oh, definitely not. Dude, why the fuck would I go into a metaverse when I can just play fucking Elden Ring for 60 hours or insert other video game here? That isn't a way a metaverse. That's the crazy thing. Yeah. The metaverse is GTA Online. Like Grand Theft Auto Online is sort of a metaverse. Fortnite is sort of a metaverse in a way because it freaking that's Inception <laughs> for some reason. Sorry, Ken, for talking about video games. Inception, though, is related. Yeah. Inception, the movie but by Christopher Nolan. It was somehow in the game video game Fortnite, which just, just puzzles me. I don't exactly <laughs> know what Fortnite is. But anyway, I thought Fortnite was a first-person shooter battle royale game. How is Inception in Fortnite? I, what an unbelievable thing that was. Unreal. It is unbelievable. Yeah. And so, yeah, the metaverse is silly to me. I like the idea of a metaverse and that we've been in the metaverse for a long time, Adrian. They just renamed it. Like, yeah. They just named it the metaverse recently. It is like they, they Facebook's branding it, basically, in my, in my perspective anyway. I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but... I just think that buying uh, it, like digital land in some specific metaverse seems stupid. But anyway, that's my two cents. I mean, inv- invest in things that you want to invest in, but I don't think this is wise. But in the case of this, again, I'm okay with this because of the neat idea of thousands of people having creating back, created backstories and Derek Colstead can go in and pick the ones he likes the most and incorporate them incorporate them into a cohesive story. I think that would be a lot of fun because mm-hmm. they're being the, building this giant mosaic of this like constant, like what do they call it here? A decentralized approach to world building. They're, they're world building, but they're doing it together. And that could be really a disaster, or yeah. I guess Derek Holstead sees the benefit because he must have seen some of the stories that were built. So 
Yeah, it just it kind of sounds like almost like Dungeons and Dragons to me, though. Well, like, no, like, isn't that kind of what Dungeons and Dragons is? There's a lot of characters pre-built for these yeah. worlds and these worlds built. And then when you create a campaign, you can pick and choose which characters you want to bring into and which worlds you want to use and stuff like that. Isn't that kind of the same thing? I think that's what they're going for. I think that was the idea. It's it gets a, almost like a tabletop yeah. role playing game. Mm. And that these each of these players is playing it Fair basically enough. by building their own backstory. I think that's part of the the appeal. So I maybe Derek Cole says a D and D player or he plays some kind of tabletop role playing game and he sees the benefit because of that too. It's cool. It's cool, but will it be anything? I don't know. And uh, I also just point to the fact that he's got like fifteen projects on the in the works just like right now. <laughs> so, anyways, guess we'll see, Adrian. Yeah. Can't even count to 15. All right. Now onto the montage, a sequence of our show in which I briefly present 10 of the week's smaller news stories as Adrian delivers a brisk verdict. Number one. As publication Variety reports, a lot of the main cast for 90s comedy series That 70s Show will make cameos in the upcoming That 90s Show spinoff for streaming service Netflix. Mila Kunis, Ashton Kutcher, Wilmer Valderrama, Laura Prepon, and Chopher Grace are each set to make an appearance in the new series. Cool. I never really watched That 70s Show, unfortunately. So I'm not too excited about this. But it's cool that they brought everyone back. Number two, as Variety reports, the third season of creator Liz Feldman's Christina Applegate starring comedy series Dead to Me is set to launch on Netflix in the fall of 2022. Netflix also just greenlit Liz Feldman's dark comedy series No Good Deed for a debut season. Ooh, uh, I'm quite excited. I love Dead to Me season one and two, and I'm excited to see kind of this last season of that show. And I'm open to seeing more of her stuff. Uh, Real quick, I said that uh, all the cast is coming back for that 90s show. Um, one of the cast members, the main cast members, Danny Masterson, he is not coming back because he is waiting, awaiting trial for three counts of rape. Just to clarify. Sorry, did you say at some point that all the cast is coming back? Yeah, I said that at the end of that, uh, like the first point. Oh, shit. Okay. You really yeah. brought down the mood there, but oh, uh, sorry. Okay. Thank you for that clarification, Adrian. Sorry. I apologize. I just, I feel like I had to clarify. Okay. You had to clarify rape. Let's move on. Number three. When you say it like that, Jesus Christ, dude. Number three, as followed by publication, <laughs> The Hollywood Reporter. The newsroom actor, Jeff Daniels, has just been cast in Netflix's limited series adaptation for author Tom Wolfe's 1998 novel, A Man in Full. Daniels will play a real estate mogul on the edge of bankruptcy, while One Night in Miami director Regina King is set to direct three episodes of the series with Big Little Lies screenwriter David E. Kelly acting as showrunner. Cool. This seems like, you know, like two very prominent creators coming together to create something with um, Jeff Daniels as well. So interesting. Cool. Number four, as Deadline reports, Netflix has announced that the fifth season of the Ralph Macchio starring Karate Kid spinoff series Cobra Kai will premiere on September 9th, 2022. Awesome. I like the show. It's pretty great. I'm excited for it. Number five, according to Variety, sketch comedy series I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson has been renewed for a third season on Netflix. Tables! Number six, as Variety reports, due to the wild success of film Jackass Forever, Paramount has greenlit a Paramount Plus Jackass TV series that will be produced by Jackass leader himself, Johnny Knoxville. These guys are all gonna die. (laughs) You can't make a show out of this. There's too much. They put themselves at risk too much. Please, don't do this to yourselves. 
Fun fact, it started as a show. Oh. Number seven. As reported by Variety, Iron Chef America host Alton Brown has just been hired on alongside Top Chef winner Kristen Kish to host Netflix's upcoming eight-episode reboot of Iron Chef. Iron Chef America character The Chairman will also return to the reboot and will be played by the original The Chairman actor Mark DeCascos. I cannot wait for this. Genuinely, I cannot wait for this. I'm so stoked. Number eight. As Deadline reports, Universal Pictures has all but closed the deal to hire on the Incredible Hulk director, Louis Leterrier, as director Justin Lin's replacement to head up the 10th installment of the Fast and Furious franchise, Fast 10. Right on. That was quick, as they should do quickly. Number nine. According to Deadline, the Saved by the Bell soft reboot series that takes place at Bayside High 27 years after the original series has been cancelled after two seasons on NBC streaming service Peacock. That's too bad for anyone watching this show. Number 10. As Variety reports, the Suicide Squad actor Viola Davis might be getting an Amanda Waller-centered DC TV series from HBO Max. The new series will potentially be spun off of Task Force X director Amanda Waller's appearances from the James Gunn-directed Peacemaker TV series on HBO Max. Interesting. I'm curious what they're going to do because uh, what they kind of set up with this character is quite interesting in Peacemaker. And a bonus, number 11. As announced in a heartfelt social media post by director James Gunn on Twitter, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 has officially wrapped production. It's currently set for a May 5th, 2023 release date. Hell yeah, baby. I'm excited for this. We're getting the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special this year. Cool, cool, cool. Cool, 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 cool. And that concludes the montage. Cool montage. Just to speak quickly about the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, Volume 3. Mm-hmm. Taika Waititi. Um, oh, what is this? This isn't even related. What am I talking about? Well, it is because the Guardians of the Galaxy gang members are in Thor, the fourth Thor. Yeah, I guess so. With Marvel's best villain, Gore. Yes. Yeah. I don't know why I was going to connect that here, though. I have a note here to connect that, and it's not really that connected. But regardless, Taika Waititi is, is directing um, Thor uh, Love and Thunder, which is coming out this July, which is super exciting. And I'm very, very excited to watch that. That's, that looks really good. That trailer looked really good. But Adrian, Tycho recently said, in my humble opinion, we have probably the best villain that Marvel's ever had in Christian Bale. Hmm. That's interesting. That's pretty good. So Christian Bale, of course, is playing Gore uh, in this in this movie. In Thor. In, in Thor. The fourth Thor. With Gore. Yes. So that's pretty cool. That's those are those are uh those are, you know, some pretty bold words from Taika and I'm very curious to see see him now cuz we haven't seen him in the trailers so far. There's only been one trailer and I kind of don't want to see him, but that's just me. I don't know. I like seeing the trailers cuz we get to talk about it on the podcast, but I just uh I don't know. Yeah. They're strate- they're strategically choosing what's in these trailers mm-hmm. so that they don't reveal too much in the movie. Um sorry, they don't reveal too much that's going to be in the movie, but I just, uh, sometimes I, I get a little disappointed with seeing certain elements. You get a little worried. That I don't want to see necessarily. Yeah. I follow you, man. But uh, this is cool. I follow you. Very exciting. Like, I agree. Christian Bale's amazing. Uh, so. I, yeah, that, that's honestly it. Like, Christian Bale is such a phenomenal actor. I wouldn't be surprised if this is true. However, if we're just, you know, thinking about Thor, the best Thor, the third Thor... I don't necessarily think Hela was that. Like, she was cool, but I, I don't think she's anywhere near, like, the top of, like, the best, you know, MCU villains. So, I don't know. Like, I, I don't think that's a, f- like, totally fair comparison, but I don't think he's had the best villain. I still, 
I don't, when I think about it, I don't even know. Sorry, what do you mean? You, you don't think he's had the like, best villain? He's just talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe as a whole. Yeah, I know. But like he made another movie, which I don't think had too great of a villain is kind of what I'm saying. She was pretty great. Kate Blanchett's awesome. I liked her. She is. But I don't know. I don't think that was really the strongest part about that movie. I just think that movie is really well done and it's unique and it's funny. But I don't know. I'm curious. I, I If this is true, that's awesome. But I have a hard time kind of believing that um, Gore is going to be better than, you know, like a Thanos that we had so much build up for. Or, you know, Loki, which, you know, went on for so many movies. Or hell, man, as much as I think uh, Black Panther is just like Iron Man again, I think Killmonger was such a fucking cool villain played exceptionally well by um michael b jordan so i don't know I, I would like for this to be true hell yeah man why the hell not you know what why am i being so pessimistic i don't know i guess we'll wait and see indeed we will adrian yeah what do you got for me man what do you got for me simon i got new releases for you this is for may the 9th to may 15th which is a monday to a sunday are you ready yes i am there's not too many movies coming out this week but the first movie that's coming out is monday may 9th and it is ghost in the shell colon sack as an sac in all capitals underscore 2045 sustainable war this is a netflix original anime movie based upon the original anime movie ghost in the shell which had the i think it goes in the shell shell series which i presume this is kind of a sequel to so yeah cool yeah. Anyways, the next movies that are coming out are coming out on Wednesday, May 11th. The first one is a Netflix original movie called Operation Mincemeat, which is based on the true story of British intelligence, of the British intelligence that trick the Nazis and alter the course of World War II. Simon, don't judge the write-up. I used voice to text again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Comment on Operation Mincemeat. Uh, from my understanding, it's got a pretty good cast. Yeah, it's Colin Firth. Yeah. It is. So it looks pretty good. Jason Isaacs, Colin Firth is in it. I, uh, I'm i kind of interested in that. I'm curious to see how it gets rated, but it does look pretty neat. So I might watch that. We'll see. Hopefully it's good. Our Father is up next. This is a Netflix original documentary about the fertility doctor who inseminated a bunch of women using his own sperm at a fertility clinic. Eesh. Yeah, I know. It's kind of messed up. This story, I watched the trailer. I'm like, holy fuck. This looks so messed up. And it's like kind of depressing and sad. Because, you know, it's just a bunch of people finding out that they are related to a bunch of people in this town. And, you know, even like having how their like father isn't their real dad or, you know, their kids like their 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 husband isn't like their kid's real father because this doctor literally just fucking put his sperm in a bunch of women. Hmm. It's messed up. It's really messed up. It's like, I think this is one of the most disgusting crimes ever. And I am very, very curious to watch this documentary because I'm just like, what the fuck, dude? You know? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Next up is a movie called The Getaway King. This is a Netflix original Polish action comedy about a folk hero bandit, Simon. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. And the next movies coming out are all coming out on Friday, May 13th. The first one is Senior Year, which is a Netflix original movie starring Rebel Wilson that wakes up from her 20 year long coma at the age of 37 and goes back to finish her grade 12 year. Okay. Yeah. And Simon. Yes. This is a little bit of a plot twist. Are you ready? Yes. The last victim is coming out. This is confirmed by the most reliable source on the internet. The hyphen numbers dot com. You know what the twist is there? No, I have no idea. They don't have m.the-numbers.com. It's just the-numbers.com now. They, they took away the m. 
No way. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah, after 97 episodes, 97 weeks, presumably longer, they have changed it to just the-numbers.com. There's no m.the-numbers.com. But it's an M. It's so about to... the movies. Why wouldn't they keep the M? There's no movies, dude. It's gone. When you when you go to m.the-numbers.com, it just says, hey, this gateway is closed. They're just numbers now. No. <laughs> It is, dude. Yeah. But anyways, this is confirmed by the most reliable source on the internet, the-numbers.com and the Apple TV app. This is a video on demand. Neo-Western thriller with Raul per- Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman. Raul, Raul Perlman. Roll Dahl. Nope. Nope. Oh, these are clock again. That's, that's my clock. Classic. Classic, dude. Three times an hour. Yeah, it's true. Next up is a movie called Shark Bait. This is confirmed by the most reliable source on the internet the-numbers.com and the Apple TV app that's a video-on-demand movie about people that get left stranded on a jet ski in shark-infested waters. They're the shark bait. I used voice of text. The humans. Yeah. They're the shark bait. They are. That's true, man. Wow. Crazy. I never picked up on that. Tankhouse is up next. It's confirmed by the most reliable source on the internet, the-numbers.com and the Apple TV app that's a video-on-demand comedy movie with Richard Kind. Oh. And people Wow. doing some sort of theatrical revolution hmm mm-hmm. they didn't cast colin farrell again i guess no they didn't they chose to actually cast a different guy to play colin farrell that was playing richard kind right exactly yeah yeah sure and finally the, the last movie that's coming out this week is a movie called Firestarter. it's confirmed by cineplex app it's coming to theaters and this is a stephen king novel but it's actually a movie <laughs> why would you write it like that that's just so ridiculous <laughs> It's true. I don't know if you've seen the trailer for this, but it doesn't look good. I keep on see. I haven't seen the full trailer, so I'll be honest. But I keep on seeing these like little like TV spots on Instagram. Yeah, and it's just like you're a superhero. I'm like, oh really? You guys are doubling in on that? Um, and then it's just like Zach Efron's like, you you gotta use your. You can't hurt people with your powers. And then the kids are like, I only hurt bad people. Hmm. And then people are like, I can help you. Ah! I'm burnt. You know what I'm saying? That's the trailer? You just described it to me? Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Pretty great even. I don't need to see it now. I'm good. No. That's the entire movie start to finish. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, well done. Thank yeah. you. You're welcome. Adrian, that's the end of our regular scheduled programming for this episode. And so um, i just like to say to our audience, please subscribe to us on all this you know, the streaming services, any streaming service that podcasts are on, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you know the drill. If you can, I'd appreciate it. If you could review us on those services as well, I'd appreciate it. Adrian, do you have anything else to say to our audience before we wrap this bad boy up? No, not really, other than thank you for listening. And uh, if you want, you can tell your friends. Yeah. But if you don't want to, you don't have to. Yeah, it's completely, you're right. Yeah, thanks. Freedom. (laughs) Okay, Braveheart. Yeah, anyway, thank you for listening to the 97th episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and this is Adrian Pinter signing off. It is I, Adrian Pinter, about to sign off. And although you might not think so, because you heard from a bunch of fibbers, a bunch of people that don't know good movies, Batman versus Superman is a good movie. And Batman from that movie thinks it is a good movie. He told me in my sleep, in my dreams.
And you know what else is a good movie, Simon? And listener. Resident Evil, welcome to Raccoon City, baby. Welcome to Raccoon Town. Welcome to the Raccoon Village, baby. All good movies. Both those are good movies. Take care. Goodbye. Good night. Take care. I just want to make it clear. Uh, you say this thing about Resident Evil, whatever, and I've kind of just let it slide week after week. And you, you know, you're wearing me down over time that I just don't say, no, no, you know, it's not a good movie. Um, but I just want to reemphasize, not the greatest movie. Resident Evil, welcome to Raccoon, Raccoonville is not the greatest movie. Just want to say that for the record. Goodbye. It's a good movie, though. It's a good movie, though. No, not really. Take care. Goodbye. Goodbye. It, it, it is a good movie. Take care. Goodbye. Not really.